Quickie sports show for you this week. We have a big pop culture special out in the podcast feed early this week. Our pop culture team, John Stanko, Alan Austin, Santa Rosa, with the Halloween Pop Culture Party 3. It was a lot of fun. You want to check out some of that stuff. That's in the podcast feed as well. Where you are, NFL picks week number nine today. I'm going to be joined in just a bit by Joe Choppy, a big Titans fan. His team playing the game of the weekend. They host the Chiefs on, I mean, they go to the Chiefs on Sunday football, excuse me. So that's a lot of fun. Make sure you locked in the show for this week's two minute drill where Boy, oh boy, the Nets have become an absolute mess. There's a lot of stuff going on with Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. If you like what you hear on the Justin Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform. All episodes there, including our episode earlier this week. I talked about the Halloween Pop Culture Party 3 and our fun conversation last week with Jeff Perlman about his new book, the Bo Jackson book. That conversation is also in the podcast archives, so you can check all that out by subscribing. Again, search for Justin Selling, your favorite podcast platforms. Also, leave our feedback and starting as well. And with the podcast, even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of the NFL Picks conversation with Joe is going to be up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip here. We're going to talk about how the Jets have a big quarterback problem. And we will talk all about that right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. Right, opening tip time here, and the New York Jets had probably their most hyped game in years, week eight against the Patriots, because this felt like there was an opportunity here for an exorcism. New England enters that matchup, 12 straight wins over the Jets. The last Jet win over the Patriots came back in 2015. That was the game where Ryan Fitzpatrick hits Eric Decker in overtime, Week 16, Jets win, look like they're going to the playoffs, and they lose next week to Buffalo, and everything goes downhill from there. The Patriots just got blown out on Monday night of Week 7 by a mediocre Chicago Bears team. Jets had won four in a row. The defense was clicking. They had a good running game. Everything was great. What ends up happening? The Jets blow a 10-3 lead. They lose 22-17. There are plenty of culprits in this loss. There was bad special teams play. You got a shank eponymous from Braden... Braden Mann early in the game. He got a missed field goal from Greg Zerline, who should have been, had a roughing the kicker penalty call against him. That did not happen. Some questionable officiating as well. The Patriots got away with some stuff, more, more likely than not. But this loss as a whole falls on the feet of one Zach Wilson. Wilson was awful against the Patriots. He threw three killer interceptions that were mind-bodily bad. Each one was worse than the last. First one late in the first half. On a third down play, trying to check down to Ty Johnson. He ends up backpelling, throwing off his back foot, airmails it, picked off. 
Then this leads to the whole sequence where, you know, Mac Jones was a pick six. They call John Franklin Myers for roughing the passer, which bad call, bad call, but, you know, they're always going to call back against the quarterbacks here. They ended up getting it back, hanging field goal, less than three New England points. The second pick, this should have been a clear throwaway. And he actually had a guy open down the field, by the way. He had Garrett Wilson streaking down the field. He's not see him. Tries to float it out of the hands, comes up short, and he ends up getting picked off by Devin McCourty. The third one here, should be another throwaway. Just throw this one 50 yards into the stands. Then he lofts it up right into the arms of Devin McCourty. Just flows a live pop up there. The Jets as a whole looked like they were the better football team. New England struggled to move the ball early. This is without Brees Hall and Elijah Barry Tucker, both of whom were out for the season. Zach Wilson cost on this football game because he continues to try and play this hero ball. And he's told the press several times that he finds it, quote-unquote, boring to check down or throw it away. He wants to make a big play at all times. And obviously, this has become a big topic here. And ESPN's Darren Orlowski had a good bit of information on how he would handle the Jets' situation if he was in that quarterback room. And he, so he said on get up, ESPN's Get Up morning program on Monday. Everyone knows that I like Zach Wilson as well. If I was in Zach Wilson's quarterback room right now, this is what I would say to him. It's time to grow the fudge up, dude. Amen. It's time to grow up, dude. You're not in the Mountain West anymore, champ. Yeah. Okay? The, uh, Gary Kubiak called me over as a young quarterback one time and said, you got to understand, man, that when you have that ball in your mm. hands, you have everybody else's job in our building. Livelihoods. Yeah. It's not just yours. Yep. It's everybody. There's a difference between carelessness and aggression. There's a difference between confidence and ego. Right now, you play with such ego, such carelessness, such recklessness with the football. And there's moments in that game where you sit there and go, that's what it looks like. There's that second-round talent. But these decisions are unbelievably reckless. You don't have to do this anymore, Zach. You are a talented enough player, and there's 70 snaps a game. This means you have to grow up. Because right now, you're holding your football team and certainly your offense back. You ain't playing against the Mountain West anymore, dude. This is the NFL. And guess what? At some point, your organization's going to look at you, and I get that you're young, and I get that you're talented, and they're going to say, you ain't the guy. He is 1,000% right right now. What's going on, Zach Wilson? This is simple stuff that he does not seem to care for. You watch Zach Wilson play. His footwork is still sloppy, nearly two years in his pro career. This is something that should be an easy fix to put the work in but he does not care to do it. He's still missing checkdowns. He's still either throwing worm burners to the guy, a dump off pass, or he's holding the football too long, ignoring his reads and just trying to make the big play. This is not the Mountain West. You cannot play street ball and win with your arm talent against NFL corners. That will not happen. Zach Wilson is not Patrick Mahal unless he likes to think he is. This is more like how Johnny Manziel played in the league. He did not last very long. If Zach Wilson cannot do the boring things and execute the offense, he should not be the quarterback of this team. We have seen over the past two years, Joe Flacco has put up huge numbers in his offense. Mike White had some big games in his offense. Josh freaking Johnson is one opportunity, put up a huge number running the Michael Flores system as designed. Elijah Moore, who, again, he should not be whining about his role publicly, but you feel like the issues that he has, at least partially due to beef with Zach Wilson, who his coaching staff clearly does not trust right now because they have gotten so run-heavy over the past few games because that's their best opportunity to win games because Zach Wilson is not doing the things that he needs to do to earn the staff's trust. And right now, this team is ready to make the playoffs. The roster has taken the leap. 
The defense is excellent. The offensive line has been good enough, even with all the injuries. The running game is solid. They have weapons on the outside. The quarterback is not taking that leap. Zach Wilson is going to have an opportunity right now to right the ship, which he should because, again, young player, second round, like second overall pick. You have, you know, all this time around him. He's played 18 pro games at this point. He has the another uh, nine games here to sort of show what he can do with a talented roster around him. But this is not endless. At some point here, I know Robert Tuck out the other day and said that Zach Wilson's the quarterback for the rest of the season unless he gets hurt. If Zach Wilson continues to do stupid things and cross his team football games, he might have a mutiny at locker room because you have a lot of guys in that defense who are veterans, who have been through the wars, and want to get to the playoffs. You have a lot of guys that offense who are playing well. They're not going to be happy if they let Zach Wilson continue to fudge up the season to gratify his own ego. Here's another interesting aspect here to think about. Who was the last star quarterback who took until year three to demonstrate any sort of meaningful progress in his game? There isn't one. If Zach Wilson cannot show you significant progress by the end of the season, he is not the guy. Plain and simple. Nothing is happening very quickly with Zach Wilson because I think you need to see progress. You cannot continue squandering this team's window here, and this team has a good window. You can't wait for him to grow up. You need to act with this group and try and win. And there are options out there in the offseason. Baltimore is trying to sign Lamar Jackson long term. They decide, you know what, we're not going to do it. Call up, make a trade. Hey, Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. Come here and play a better weapon than he has. Maybe that happens. You sign Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think would win 11 games of this team because as much as people complain about what he can't do, what he can do is really damn good. And the 49ers were one quarter away from winning a Super Bowl with him. And they nearly made another last year. Teddy Bridgewater, again, like, not going to light the earth on fire, but. He is a very interesting quarterback, and I think he would be doing a solid job here with this team. Maybe the Raiders who get rid of Derek Carr, who you know is having a down year. Josh McDaniels, they save $110 million long-term if they cut him after this year. That's an option. Something has to get done, plain and simple. And we will see what happens with the Jets here, and they have an opportunity here. This week's not going to be easy against Buffalo, but they still have a chance to be in this playoff hunt. We'll see how they perform on Sunday. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number nine. We're approaching the halfway point of the season. Join me today, a good friend of mine, a big fan of the Tennessee Titans. We've heard of him on the podcast before. Joe Choppy's here. Joe, how are you? Mike, I'm uh, good. How are you? Doing very good. And this just seems to be a run list week of people on the podcast who got engaged recently. Again, congratulations to Joe Chaffee who got engaged recently. Uh, yes, Warren's a little crazy for saying yes, but uh, I'm very <laughs> lucky. Yeah, so that's going on in Joe's life. That's one win for Joe. Another big win for Joe is that his football team, the Titans, picked up a win without their starting quarterback week eight over the Texans. Derek Henry runs for 200 yards. Like, what do you think about that game? I mean, if it wasn't for Derek Henry, they wouldn't have scored. Um, <laughs> you know, in the preseason, uh, there was one point where Mike Vrabel pulled Malik Willis out of the game because Vrabel told him, I want you to throw the football, and he kept running. And, and you kind of see why Malik Willis refused to throw the football because 
and he has 55 passing yards the other day. Um, you know, I know going into the draft, there's a lot of hype around Willis. Uh, I was very skeptical. This may be ignorant, but you know, Liberty University is really known for developing NFL players. Um, so I think they got very lucky beating Houston. Um, and now we got the Chiefs. Yeah, but you have a cheese, but they're interesting where they are right now because they, they kind of fall into the radar because they lost the Giants early and they, I think they right. lost their first, like two of their first three games. But I mean, they're sitting here five and two. They're on top of the garbage division that is the AFC South. They swept the Colts already, so that's a huge advantage in their column here. And obviously, again, they're in a position right now. They could, they beat the Chiefs to be the number two seed in the AFC. So, like, how good is this team actually? Because it's really hard to get a read on them. Well, here's the thing. Um, I mean, I. I could be wrong. I don't see any way they beat Kansas City. Um, but after that, they got Denver and they have Green Bay. Denver at home and Green Bay. They're also at Kansas City this week, which made the game a lot harder. Um, so I think at Kansas City is going to be really hard to win. But I think, hopefully, maybe Ryan Tannehill's back in the picture. But I think the Broncos and the Packers in 10 and 11 are winnable games. So I think if Tennessee's sitting at you know seven and three at the end of week ten, I, I think you're in a really good spot to at least make the playoffs. How far will they go in the playoffs is a very different conversation to me. Um, I, I think the AFC's pretty well stacked at the top. Uh, you know, obviously with Buffalo, and I would put Kansas City right there as the top two teams in, in the AFC. You know, Baltimore's right there too. I just don't think Tennessee's in that class of teams. Um, and mainly because at quarterback, I think Mahomes and Lamar and Josh Allen are just so far of Tannehill, let alone Malik Willis. I know, I know Derrick Henry had an unbelievable week, and that's you know what a star running back should do is win you some games. But can Derrick Henry steal a game in Kansas City? It's very different of can Derrick Henry steal your game against the Houston Texans. Yeah, it's certainly fair, but to me, the benefit Tennessee has is the geography because their division is terrible, and like you feel like oh, at minimum yeah. they're going to be. I mean, I mean they swept the Colts, probably the only team really challenging that division here. I mean, at minimum you figure you know you're going to win the division of a home playoff game, so that's a good start. Right, I think they'll get in. I don't think there's any question um, of them making the playoffs. I mean, granted, they could lose to Denver and they could lose to Green Bay, you know, in the next two weeks, and then we're we're sitting at five and five. So I, I definitely think they'll squeeze out one of these next three games with a win. Um, but the Colts are horrible. The Texans have one win. The Jaguars have two wins. So just due to the benefit of the division, I, I think they'll make the playoffs and they'll have a home game. Um, but if you look at the best teams in the AFC, I, I don't think you can put Tennessee in that conversation. Just being realistic. Yeah, and you mentioned here the big game of the week here. It's probably, I think, the best game on the whole schedule for week eight, week nine, because there's a lot of weird stuff on here because there's so many buys. But they go to the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football here. This is a fun game. People forget here. Tennessee wrecked this team last year. They won 27 yep. to 3 in tennis in Nashville. And now they go to Arrowhead. I think they can keep this close. I don't know if they can win, but I think they can make this interesting. So do you think they can cover the 12 point spread? I think they can. Even with Malik Willis playing quarterback. I think the thing is with them is that like Derrick Henry is such a sieve, that, uh, such a massive like wrecking ball that he can make this happen. Plus, Kansas City's defense gives up like twenty points every single game, so yeah, keep that in mind. That's like, fair. That is fair. Um, um, I, I just see Kansas City's defense. I mean, if, if I'm a defensive team playing against Tennessee, just put eight in the box and make Malik Willis throw. And granted, that's what Derrick Henry does. 
you know, that's, you know, I know running backs aren't a thing in the NFL anymore, but this is old school football. You hand the ball to your running back, he moves the ball, he moves the chains, and the quarterback just doesn't, doesn't mess the game up for you. Um, I, I just don't hope that's going to work against, again, the Houston Texans have one win. Uh, so we'll see. I'd love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. Uh, but I, I just can't, my, my brain can't figure out a way that Tennessee can win this game where I can see them being Denver. Um, I can see them beating Green Bay. I, I can't see them winning this game. Well, the good news right now is it looks like we're recording on Wednesday here. It looks like Ryan Tannehill's going to be end practicing, at least starting the week. So, like, look, that theoretically put him on track to return on Sunday. And, and I think if I'm Tennessee, I don't want to say you punt this game because you, you never want to punt the game. Um, but you have a division lead. There's really no reason to rush Tannehill back for this game. I think you, you even if you lose this game, you're five and three, and you really get Tannehill focused on playing the Broncos at home next week. Because um, if if you can get Tannehill up and ready for Denver, have, get a good weekend, then you have a short week against Green Bay coming up. So I really wouldn't rush Tannehill back, knowing you have the, the next Sunday and then the next Thursday with a shortened practice week. So again, if you want to look at punting a game, you, you give Malik Willis a shot against a premier team, and tell Tannehill like, you're going to be a very short rest here, but you need to be ready for Denver and then Green Bay. All right, we'll see how they play this by the end of the week because I didn't want a better picture of Tannehill is playing or not. But right. let's, let's get to why you're here. This is the picks. The guys in the Sorry Sports starting to rep pocket here last week. They went one and two as a team. They had the Jets getting a two and a half against New England. That did not end very well. They had, no. the, they had the Bengals laying the three on Monday night. That one was also a disaster. They did lay the points with the Cowboys, the nine and a half, and then one in a runaway. So one and two for the sorry sports team. Oh, yeah. The, 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 hopefully I do better. No promises. Yeah. I also had one and two last week. We had a family play on the Jazz that didn't end very well for me either. I had the Rams getting a point and a half. That, would, that one did not work out in my favor either. I did the Seahawks laying three against the Giants. They covered the spread pretty easily now. So one and two for me as well. Well, I don't want to you know, jump too far ahead, but I, I may be taking the Seattle Seahawks this week, speaking of coming up. Yeah, coming up here. So to reset for the year, Teen Challengers 11 and 13. They're in the lead by maybe about one game. I'm 10 and 14. So we're going to go ahead here and we're going to get to the pick. So, Joe, as the guys, you can go first. Where are you going with pick number one? I'm taking Seattle. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks. They're getting two at Arizona. Um, Arizona just got their butts whooped by the Vikings. And the Seattle Seahawks came off a really nice, impressive win at home against the Giants. Um, I, Kyler Murray kind of seems to be struggling. Give me Seattle and give me the two. I love this pick. I think it's a very fun pick because also, I don't trust Arizona worth a damn. I mean, they've been very underwhelming right. all year long. And Seattle's played up over their, out of their mind. I know this game has shoot up potential because Seattle isn't that very good either. But you know what? Take the hot team. I like it. Yeah, I, I just don't trust Arizona. I mean, Kyler Murray's really struggled kind of since the middle of last year. Um, and they need this game very badly, but so does Seattle. So give me Seattle. Give me, give me Seattle on the road. All right, where are you going to pick number two? I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think they are a much better team than New Orleans Saints. And it's only a two and a half points play. Uh, so I think it's Monday Night Football, prime time for Lamar Jackson. I think the Ravens beat the Saints by well more than three points. Yeah, this is one I could see the logic for me. The Ravens have burned me too many times a year, so I'm going to stay away from the game, but I don't fault your logic. I, you know, I, again, they're five and if it was a better opponent, I'd be more weary. I know New Orleans is a different team at home. I just think they're they're a far superior team. All right, where are you going with your last pick? Pick three. 
pick three. I'm a, give me the Minnesota Vikings. They're a sneaky six and one. Another team that no one's talking about. They're going into Washington, but it's only three and a half points. Washington offense is not that good. Now, I don't trust Taylor Henneke to do anything at offense. And Kirk Cousins having a very sneaky good year. Uh, give me Minnesota. And I know they usually don't play as well on the road as they do at home, but they're a team that's kind of been under-respected more. And a 6-1 and one team, no one's talking about that. So I think they're going to want to come out, have a big game, and I think three and a half points is not that much there. All right, those are your picks. I'm on the board. Pick one. I'm actually going heads up to that game. I actually love the commanders in that spot, getting the three and a half at home here, and here's why. Wow. I think for this game, I mean, Taylor Heineke stayed with the quarterback, stayed with the quarterback situation for Washington. He's gotten Terry McLaurin more involved in this game. Minnesota plays a lot of close games. Their last five games have come down to one possession, and they've won all of them. So it makes you wonder, like, is something going to go amiss here? Like, does a ball bounce the wrong way? I love having the hook at home. I think the commanders are playing very well right now. I, I'll take the three and a half. I'll go heads up on that one. And don't forget, too, you're going to have T.J. Hawkins making his Minnesota Vikings debut. Yeah, it's going to be a very fun game. I think it's a very underrated one in the early window. And what's your, what are your other two picks, Mike? All right, pick number two. I'm actually taking your team. I'm taking the Titans, getting the 12 and a half points against the Chiefs wow. here on the road. I know this is it's a risk here. It doesn't believe Willis plays this game. But the way I see this is they have Derrick Henry. He's primed right now. And this is a Tennessee team that likes to limit possessions, that likes to slow the ball down, run the clock down. It's not the vintage Kansas City outside will just blow you out anymore without the Tyreek Hill big plays. And I think 12 and a half is just such a big number to lay in this game. You guys, it's, it's, very good. it's very good. Like you, I, They could lose by 10 points. I still cover the numbers. I'm going to take all the points the Titans pick too. I, I mean, 12 is a lot. I, I just don't see Malik Willis being able to move the ball. Yeah, that's certainly fair. I also think I get a big boost locking in now because if Tannehill comes back, he just drops at least two points. If Tannehill comes back, it's a different conversation. I, I certainly agree. From a Titans perspective, to me, there's no reason to rush him for this game. All right, that's pick two. Pick number three. This is a circle the wagon spot for Green Bay. I'm going to take them here, laying the four against Detroit. And this is a t- Packer team that's been struggling offensively all season long. The perfect cure for those struggles is the Detroit Lions defense. It's one of the worst in the league. They get up, I believe, like, it's over 30 points a game. They've been getting shredded by every team they play here. I think this is the get-right spot for the Packers, who, if they want to have a season, they cannot lose this football game. You look at Green Bay's schedule coming up after the Lion game. They go to, they have Dallas and Tennessee next two weeks with the Eagles behind them. So this is one that they cannot lose, and they want to have any chance of making the playoffs here. So I think it's a big bounce-back spot here. I think the Lions are not going to come up to live for the moment. Give the Packers laying the four for this week's the last pick. That was a game I thought about taking, but I think I can see that going either way. I do think that the Packers win. I could easily see that being a last-minute field goal. Yeah, the four's a risk, but I do feel like this is sort of like the, we're, like, we're going to throw everything at the wall and see what happens here. I think you get a t- at least a touchdown win over the Lions. He has not been very good this year. Well, you'll know Rodgers is going to be desperate because you know they need this game, like you said. I follow your logic, and I can't argue too much against it. To me, four points is a little too much for me to be comfortable. If that was two and a half, I'm on board with you. All right, so to reset the picks here, Joe's going with the Seahawks, getting two in Arizona against the Cardinals. The Ravens laying two and a half on Monday football against the Saints in New Orleans, and the Vikings laying three and a half in Washington against the Commanders. My picks are going heads up on that Viking game. I'm taking the Commanders getting the three and a half points at home. Taking the Titans getting 12 and a half points on the road against Kansas City and Sinai football, in my, in my opinion, the game of the week. And I'm taking the Packers laying four in Detroit against the Lions. Those are your picks for week number nine here on the podcast. And 
Coming up next week, we're going to have a very fun guest on here. We're going to have the great John Stankel on the horn and do some NFL picks. Well, you know he's taking the – no matter what the New England Patriots are laying and covering, he's taking New England. I think New England's on bye next week, so he's actually not going to have that opportunity. He'll find a way to take him. Don't, <laughs> don't you push his luck. All right, we'll see. Well, listen, they can't win, they can't lose. He'll take him anyway. Yeah, we'll see about that, Joe. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, be a follow on social media. I want to keep up with some of the stuff you're up to. I'm on Twitter anytime. Uh, J underscore Chaffee. Talk to me anytime. I'm always happy to help. All right, Joe. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mikey. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time. It's been one hell of a week for the Brooklyn Nets. I will say this much. And this all started because of, of course, Kyrie Irving, who, remember, this is a dude who has given the Nets a ton of trouble over the last few years. I mean, the injuries are one thing on the court. But they have created a mass attraction themselves because Kyrie Irving is going to Kyrie Irving. We've always known that he's a weird guy who marches to the beat's own drum and he believes in strange things. He was the flat earther guy. That was har- harmless barriers than what we've had in, from him recently. We got all the vaccine stuff last year. Okay, voice of the voiceless, all that garbage, so on and so forth. This year, he has taken this to a whole other level of stupid. The Parasols Media Post promoting a 2018 film called, quote-unquote, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America, and that movie is largely anti-Semitic. Irving was condemned by both the Nets and the league for his take, seemingly not seeing anything wrong with it. In his post-game presser after a home loss to Indiana over the weekend, Irving basically gave 50 different versions of, I didn't endorse this things. I believe in seeking the truth. I put it out there, and just because I put it out doesn't mean I endorse it. Bunch of garbage. The guys not get it whatsoever. The fact of the matter is that you are Kyrie Irving, and you have 4.6 million Twitter followers. What you're telling them is essentially an endorsement. You told at least 4.6 million people, if not more, that this documentary that's anti-Semitic is something that you deem acceptable. And it's gone number one on Amazon in two different categories since Kyrie Irving promoted it. So take that as what you will. Nets have more fun this week. They fire head coach Steve Nash after seven games. And again, this is, you know, long time coming, not a great coach. But their move with it now, and it's been on hold because it seems like now they've realized they're taking a negative PR here for this, is that they were going to go hire Ime Udoka, who was the Celtic head coach, one time that assistant, took Boston to the finals last year, got suspended for the season. After going to the finals with Boston a year ago for having an inappropriate relationship with a female co-worker and, and basically going through sexual harassment in the workplace and doing that. They said that guy is acceptable as a head coach. And I remember there was a great line. I believe Shan tweeted that they were doing their due diligence and that's determined that he would be good enough to fix their defense and improve their leadership problem. That's great. While all this is happening, Kyrie Irving is, you know, trying to, you know, fix this situation the best he could. We found he's meeting with the Anti-Defamation League early in the week. He's making a donation to them to promote, anti- to promote like, efforts to combat anti-Semitism. It all seems good. Then he speaks to the media on Friday, where literally all he has to do is, you know, start this away and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm not anti-Semitic. Like, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Any version of that, he's playing basketball. Instead, he says none of these things. He basically just talks in circles around the fact that, you know, basically condescending reporters saying, hey, like, 
You don't know my experience. You don't get to talk to me like that. I'm educated. Read the dictionary. All of this bullshit. Literally. Anything but the truth. And that was the final straw for the Nets. The Nets finally grew a backbone. Better late than never, but still very late. And they put this statement out today from owner Joe Sai. And this is from right now. Over the last several days, he made repeated attempts with Kyrie Irving to help him understand the harm in dangerous words and actions, which began with him publicizing a film containing deeply disturbing anti-Semitic hate. We believe that taking the path of education in this challenging situation will be the right one and thought we made progress with our joint commitment to eradicating hate and intolerance. Pause for a second statement. This is me saying, this is basically the Brooklyn angle of, hey, we need Kyrie to win basketball games. We're going to try and teach him that what he did was wrong so that he can help us win basketball games. Back to the statement. We were dismayed today when given an opportunity in a media session that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs nor civic acknowledge, nor acknowledge civic hateful material in the film. This is not the first time he had the opportunity, but failed to clarify. Such failure to disavow anti-Semitism when given a clear opportunity to do so is deeply disturbing. It's against the advisor organization and constitutes conduct detrimental to the team. Accordingly, we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. We decided that Kyrie would serve a suspension without pay until he satisfies a series of objective remedial measures that address the harmful impact of his conduct and the suspension period is served in no less than five games. In other words, he's never playing for Brooklyn again. Kyrie opportunity to make this go away today. All he had to do was, you know, talk to the reporter, express some form of contrition, admit that he was, you know, sorry for sharing this documentary and just saying he's not anti-Semitic. That was too much for him. That was a bridge too far. That means he is never playing basketball in Brooklyn again. I mean, see if anybody else in the league will pick on because it's basically it's, they're going to pay him and disappear for the rest of the year. It's going to be, I'm sure the league, the uh, players are going to uh, appeal on his behalf to get the suspension with pay. He's going to disappear. He's never going to play for Brooklyn again. Simple as that. It just makes me happy as a Knicks fan because remember a few years ago when we were all disappointed that KD and Kyrie picked, picked Brooklyn over the Knicks? We are not the clowns here. The Nets are the clowns. Keep that in mind. The Nets enabled this behavior for years between the vaccine stuff and once the last year, Brooklyn back, went back on their whole Kyrie can't be part-time player, brought him in because they're desperate to win. This is what you get. This is what you created. Have fun now trying to clean up your toxic PR mess here and back away from Adoka as the head coach, which seems like right now that they are backpedaling as fast as they can. That's going to be fun. And we have not heard from Mr. Durant either, who has been like Kyrie's like best friend in the NBA for a while now. Where is he in all this? Fair question. The circus has come to Brooklyn and see a lot of fun seeing how this plays out. And with that, I want to end the show for the week. I want to thank Joe Chow for hopping on the line to do our NFL picks. We have a lot of fun as always. More good stuff like this podcast, including my look at what the Mets should do with the David Stern situation in Milwaukee. I think she'd be a big candidate for the front office next year. Check out the blog over at justatthesuffering.wordpress.com for more on that. Check out the Sky Guys podcast. Episode 9 of Andor is out in the feed right now. Over there, it's not going to be in this feed until Sunday, so if you want to get that access, subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast on the podcast platform mentioned at the top of the show. You can follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. It's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S 
three three one. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week, we're going to have some fun. We're going to do our some NFL midseason stuff, maybe a little college basketball, NFL picks, and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Nets fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.